Anime Trenders, welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the Ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by... Hello everyone, I'm Isabel, and... This is Agnes. One day, I know that you guys are just going to start skipping the intro because we always say the same thing. But anyway, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about positive masculinity, or specifically anime characters that embodies the positive masculinity. So what exactly is positive masculinity? Well, it would only be safe to say we have to describe what masculinity is as a whole and um, the flip side, which is toxic masculinity. So while I do um, attest to the fact that masculinity as its own has been considered outdated as the years have gone by, because obviously, you know, women certainly uh, embody a lot of masculine uh, traits, as well as there's plenty of men out there who embody feminine traits, and that's perfectly fine and acceptable. However, uh, unfortunately, we still have something called toxic masculinity, which resulted on on people sort of stressing on positive masculinity and says. So what is this whole mumble jumble I just talked about? Well, masculinity starts off with just traits that people typically associate with masculine men. For example, strength is a very obvious one. Other things that people tend to associate with masculine men are ambition, confidence, and emotional stability, and as well as independence. Usually, For a long time, people just sort of think as these traits as the traits that you want men to embody. But unfortunately, that has resulted in a lot of negative or toxic masculinity, which is actually just characters or uh, men who take these positive traits and they take it to an extremely unhealthy angle. So instead of it being emotional stability, they sort of take it as in you shouldn't express emotion at all. Another example would be confidence tend to be taken to the extreme where it becomes prideful. And finally, a a very common one that tends to be associated with normal masculinity is, you know, having girlfriends and dating. But they take it to an extreme of, you know, being able to be with plenty of girls and never having to settle down, stuff like that. And so unfortunately, when it's taken to such an unhealthy degree, it becomes very toxic and it sort of overwhelms the character. And unfortunately, a lot of people in real life to believe like these are sort of the traits they have to embody. So now we enter into positive masculinity. Positive masculinity is when a lot of these characters or men embodies these embody these so-called masculine traits, you know, like independence, emotional, uh, emotional stability, as well as ambition, but at the same time embody a lot of other traits that typically don't really associate with masculinity, or they simply do a really good job portraying these positive traits as just positive traits. A real-life example that a lot of people tend to take for positive masculinity is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He, You look at him and you think masculine. You know, he is huge, he is strong, and he has a lot of ambition. He loves acting stuff. But he is known as a good positive masculinity example because he is also extraordinarily friendly and casual, and he is not scared to show how much he adores his family, especially his mom, uh, his Uh, social posts about his mom every Mother's Day is always very touching and very, very emotionally written. And so he has sort of kind of become the poster boy, at least in the West, of an example of, hey, like, look at this man. This man is masculine. But he is a perfect example of positive masculinity. 
So with the definitions aside, we are happy to announce that there are actually plenty of positive masculine men in anime as well, and we want to celebrate them today. So, uh, Isabel, who do you have for us that you've seen in anime that sort of embodies this positive masculinity that you would like to talk about today? Yeah, so um, I have two characters. Uh, the first character I want to talk about is All Might from My Hero Academia. I think he's very much like, like you mentioned, Dwayne Johnson, except in anime form with blonde hair. And um, obviously when you see All Might, he's just like a strong, bulky character. And he's very much like Superman or maybe even um, Captain America, in a sense, for My Hero academia and but even though he's like that and he shows like on screen on tv in the anime itself he displays himself as you know kind of the um image of justice Uh, and he uses that to um you know kind of push down those those uh evil characters or people um from the league of evil that want to that want to promote those things so uh, even though he has that image of himself that when when he attends the school and other characters, the characters look up to him because he's very, very inspiring. And he's very, very um, uh, fatherly as well, I want to say. He's very caring towards his students and he doesn't care how what he looks like sometimes. Um, because when you start watching My Hero Academia, you also see his other side, which is where he's like a scrawny uh, character. It's because of his, yeah, the I injury that, that he's had, <laughs> right? Um, I remember seeing that, and I was shocked to find out. I was like, wait, that's the same person. I didn't realize. (laughs) Yeah, because he's, like, wearing his oversized shirt. He's, like, bleeding all the time, maybe, coughing up blood. And you're like, this is the symbol of justice? Um, This this is all might? That's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And and, uh, Deku, who really, really looks up to him, wants to be like him, too. You know, he looks up to him for inspiration and asks him, you know, how can I become like you? And, like... I think obviously like a little thing in All Might was like, oh, I see myself in him. I see I want him to grow too. So I think he really embodies all those characteristics of, you know, having a lot of ambition and confidence, not only in himself, but others as well. And he exudes that towards other people. So I think he's a really, really, really well-written character. I think what I appreciate, um, even though I haven't watched My Hero Academia, is the fact that he is that mentor character so Mm -hmm. because we we as the audience tend to follow along with the protagonist so by having the protagonist look up to this positive masculine uh male character helps the audience also look up to him as well and want to be like him and i think that's just you know a, a like a cherry on top in regards to you know the with the way you describe him and the effect that he could have in not only just the world but like with the people watching as well the other thing I find that's really interesting about All Might is that although he embodies like the shonen protagonist mentor, he's not like the cool suave has a tragic backstory. Mm. But he he doesn't he doesn't try to like put up a facade like he's stoic because you have a racer head who embodies that stoicism, right? Mm-hmm, As yeah. like his counter, but All Might just exudes with so much confidence and optimism that really makes you think like, you know. Even if you're manly or even if you are like, you know, you have a bulky body and you have the weight on the shoulders, the the weight of the the weight of the world on your shoulders, it's good to be positive, too. It's okay to be positive and to be optimistic, even if things are looking dour. Yeah. And also in his other form, he doesn't hesitate to still be at the school. Like, I feel like if he can't embody that anymore, he might just leave quietly, right? 
get out of the scene, oh, leave completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he still is uh, shows that you know this is what I am now, and it's okay. Um, I'm still going to support my students. I'm still going to be fighting against evil as much as I can, even though I look like this right now and I have sustained injuries. Um, uh, and so he that's actually he that. mm-hmm. that's really powerful. Actually, I love that because um, it's so. It's so common for the mentors to seem sort of out of reach because of how much of a higher level they are and, you know, for the main characters to aspire to be like them. And it's like, yeah, we see them later get taken down a peg and, you know, meet stronger enemies and stuff like that. And that's when the students realize, like, oh, my mentor is not, like, this godly, unbeatable sort of character. But the fact that even when he's in his scrawny state, when he's been beaten down, he's lost, but he's just walking around chilling and showing the fact that, hey, I lost. Like, these sort of things happen. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And... I feel like sometimes he also dresses kind of silly or just, his colors are just so bright. It just screams. Like, I feel like it's just like the United States flag. It's just so bright. And not dance. Like, <laughs> United States flag. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny It sometimes. literally, it screams the Watashi wa Kita, like actually in like mm-hmm. visual form. <laughs> Um, so I know that a lot of people have a lot of love for all uh, all might. Do you? So I see clips of him and I've seen gifs of him. Obviously, there's a lot of iconic gifs of him where he like goes mm-hmm. from the skinny to the brawny immediately. And so um, for you, like you know, you mentioned that he's very loving towards his students, but you know he he exudes confidence and he gives out confidence to other people, um, which is funny because like even when I think of him in his superhero form, I'm like I kind of see Dwayne the rock johnson in regards to like (laughs) the way he's created but um in your opinion what do you think is the most positive influence that all all might gives out to the series and like to the audience as a whole who loves uh, my hero academia Mm, yeah i think the the funniest thing that he, he draws in is that it he makes you laugh and he laughs himself even though he's like really tired, he just, I think his most iconic thing, if you do watch the anime, he, he laughs all the time. And he, he makes it seem intimidating. He's just like, ha ha ha. <laughs> and he, he just, uh, yeah, it's just, he's so confident. And um, even though, you know, he might not be powerful or just showing off his power, really. Um, just, I feel like that just makes you happy. And then all the kids want to, be like him and, and watch him and I want to watch him too I would get a figurine too if I if I if you know Aww. they had all those things um time for us to get Isabella Funko Pop yeah <laughs> actually I wouldn't mind because sometimes I, I feel like I wouldn't want to get one of those right like oh that character is cool but I, I don't know I don't really want a Superman type thing but I would want an All Might statue or something um or figurine but yeah well, uh, I think All Might sounds very much in the check marks for a positive masculinity representation. Uh, who's your second character you have? Yeah, my second character is actually Might Guy from Naruto. I know we talked oh, about that. Oh, classic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When I first saw Guy in Naruto, I was like, this teacher is kind of lame. He's wearing all, he's only on like a whole green jumpsuit. He has that, um, like bowl cut hair mm-hmm. and he smiles and, and like puts his thumbs up and it seems kind of lame right like old dad jokes or something like that but he's super cool actually 
And I think he definitely embodies positive uh, masculinity because of his character. Like he tries really hard. He's, he's uh, his counterpart is obviously Kakashi. So mm-hmm. when you compare him to Kakashi, Kakashi's like cool. He's talented. He has the Sharingan. He really doesn't have to try to be honest to be um, a ninja. Um, whereas my guy really doesn't have that. He's not. He's not able to embody those things. So he kind of makes it his own thing, his own path. And I think it helps that he's kind of, um, kind of like uh, an image of Bruce Lee. Yes, yes. Lee, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know, if you think about Bruce Lee, he's like super masculine, and then so the same way Guy is also super masculine in in that he's able to fight and use martial arts. And in Naruto, it's called Taijutsu. Um, and just being able to build up, like build up his strength from that, and then just straight out saying, you know, challenging Kakashi doesn't matter how lame he is i'm gonna do rock paper scissors with you i'm gonna run around the whole town with you and chase you around just just to prove how confident i am in being able to beat you and stuff like that and and i think in the same way he's also a good mentor to rock lee and his team and he he really does show those um the characteristics of being being able to be ambitious and then also communicating I feel mm-hmm. I feel like he's also type the nice guy type, but a cool nice guy type. He he mm-hmm. makes the nice guy seem very very cool. <laughs> I think what I really appreciate with Mike Guy is the fact that he's so dramatic. He is an absolute mm-hmm. drama queen, but that does <laughs> not in any shape or form take away from it, the fact that you see him and you think he's masculine. You know, because it's like. Yeah. Because it's almost like, you know, drama queens, uh, whether it is with, especially with male characters, they tend to be portrayed a little more feminine, you know, because uh, because it's like, you know, they're kind of catty and they like, they're really emotional, stuff like that. But True. Uh, but my, my guy is, you know, very, very dramatic all the time. Big tears and big eyes and like big grin with the, with the shiny teeth. You know what the yeah, animation does, <laughs> but it still doesn't change the fact that this guy is a martial artist, um, martial artist master, and like loves to exercise and loves to show off how much he exercises and how much he mm-hmm. cares about exercising. And I really like how they sort of put these two together. Um, I think that's just an excellent example of it. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm, it, I think it's funny because that never occurred to me because in my head I'm almost like I'm going through all the Naruto characters when I was thinking about it I'm like yeah like there's some of them are great characters and stuff but I wouldn't say they're positive masculinity with the way that they are and then mm-hmm. you mentioned my guide I was like oh dude yeah that completely <laughs> flew over my head but I think you're completely right so <laughs> absolutely yeah even like in times like there's this one fight between like Rock Lee and Gara, I think where Rock Lee was pretty much going to die. And, you know, if you were like a confident mentor, you would be like, I'm confident that my my um, student can, you know, um, brave through this. It's okay. Or rather, but then he goes in and steps in to save Rock Lee because it, it doesn't matter <gasps> yes. how bad it is. God bless. Yeah. Yes, I remember this. I'm, I'm getting like warm fuzzies in my stomach right now. <laughs> warm fuzzies. <laughs> so even though he looks lame and saving his student at the last minute, you know, because this is supposed to be a life or death match technically to become uh, a ninja, but he just steps in and saves him because he, that is the right thing for him to do. He really doesn't want to see, you know, people die in front of him, especially the people that he cares about. Mm-hmm. Gosh, he, he's, he mm-hmm. is wonderful. I agree. 
You're like making me revisit my childhood again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like you can definitely watch guy, uh, my guy clips or maybe Rock Lee clips too all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're great. All right, so those are two excellent examples of positive masculinity and in anime and anime characters. What do you have for us, Agnes? Who is on your roster of good examples of positive masculinity? The first one, I have two kind of. I managed to find one last minute, um, but it's a slightly different take on positive masculinity. But the first one I want to mention is Tanegaki Genjiro from Golden Kamui. Uh, I know a lot of people don't watch Golden Kamen. I just talk about it whenever I can on this <laughs> podcast. Like, anytime I can do it, I'm like, yes. Look, <laughs> well, here, look, look, Agnes, we all have our thing, and this is your thing. Golden Kamen is your thing, so. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yours is Fruits Basket, I know. Okay, <laughs> so for Tanegaki, you look at him in the main promo pictures, and out of all the characters that are introduced in Golden Kamen, he's one of the buffest dudes out there. He's buff, he has a facial scar, his hair is like really cropped short, and he looks like he's the guy that can beat you up and beat you up and like spit in your face or is like really stoic all the time and in the manga of course or in the manga and the anime you always talk hear him talking about like being manly bulky right like that's like his his, his phrase which means which literally means um <laughs> and he goes around like wielding like guns and stuff he helps the there's a young child in the series not a sirpa but a younger boy who he teaches how to use a gun and he's like you know learning how to use a gun is manly so he's like he's really hyped up about this masculinity but at the end of the day it's really funny because he takes a complete 180 turn because he's so emotional like mm-hmm. similar to how guy is emotional but in the sense like he's so Tanaki is so easily moved by like the smallest acts of kindness Aww. uh for example Aww. like Kuchi um Asirpa's grandmother helped nurse him back to health because he had actually broken his foot being the former adversary of Sugimoto and Asirpa. But Huchi, like, healed his, like, help him recuperate, like, being on crutches and things like that. And he was, like, forever grateful to her. And he starts crying and breaking into tears. And another scene that they have for Tanegaki is in season three, he eventually reunites with Sugimoto. And in attempts to capture Asirpa, they decide to make their presence kind of known in the city and the way that they do that is they join the circus troupe Tsugimoto uh, is like doing some daring act where like you know he slices open his belly with a fake sword to let loose blood and Tanagaki could have done something as easily impressionable and wow so manly right like shooting targets or something like no, edgy he, yeah like super edgy like Ogata right but yeah. no he ends up not doing that he ends up dancing with like six other young girls in a dress and, like, covered in, like, makeup and just doing, like, these cute little dances around just to entertain the audience and throw flowers. That's what he literally does in the entirety of that arc. And he gets so emotional by the girls who are, like, trying to train their hardest to dance. It's like it's like watching an idol movie, you know, <laughs> where they're just like, we need to come together. We need to reconcile with our differences. And we must entertain these audiences as well. And he starts, like, sniffling and tearing up. And when the instructor, like, criticizes him he goes to the back of the tent and he starts crying <laughs> and i'm like the poor man is just like is this big buff dude with like six other teenager girls they're like really small compared to him and they're all like dancing and trying to take constructive criticism from their teacher and trying to put on the best show 
And at the end of the day, when the teacher, like, gives him a thumbs up, because she's, like, this really stoic lady, he just, like, brightens up, and he's just like, we did it, guys! Friendship is power! And I'm like, God, I love you, Tanigaki. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, um, do you know what he looks like, Isabel? I actually don't. Maybe I should look him up while here, you're here. I'll, I'll, I'll send you yeah. a picture oh, right oh, okay. now. <laughs> he's like the buffest Whoa. and hairiest dude you can think of. And like, now that I think about it. Yeah, like, you, you look at him and it's like, this is like a man. <laughs> like a, yeah. He's a man. <laughs> like, there's so many scenes in Golden Conway where, like, he's so buff that he pops the buttons out of his shirt. It's a running gag in this series. Like, when he's surprised, his chest suddenly expands and button pops out. <laughs> so, like, it's so stupidly masculine, but he's such a, such a soft boy. <laughs> and um, it just makes him very lovable at the end of the day. I mean, he is my favorite character <laughs> out, of, out of all the Golden Conway characters because I think he's just so sweet. He's just the sweetest He's character. so sweet. Yeah, he's he's a real darling to and everybody. And he's completely fearless about the fact that, yes, he is an emotional boy. Like, he could care less that he is. Like, I don't think he even realizes that. Like, I feel like him as a character would be baffled if other characters are like, oh, you know, like, strong men are the ones who don't cry. I feel like he'd be like, what? You know, sort of thing, because it's so natural to him and he doesn't shy away from it either. It's funny that we mention about masculinity and, like, what is the definition of being manly? Because Tanegaki had a phase where he was trying to, like, recuperate after he broke his legs. And he met a hunter uh, who's one of the uh, prison tattoo mates who taught him how to be, like, I guess more confident in himself. And that was more of, like, a masculine trait that he was willing to embody rather than being, like, stoic or, like, super... um or, like, being, like, super toxic towards other people and demeaning them. So that's what I think is interesting about Tanegaki, is that he had sort of, like, this life lesson part of his journey through Golden Kamui, and then he just becomes this lovable dork at the end of the day, and everyone's fine with it. I completely forgot about that, but now that you pointed it out, like, that is an excellent example of a man learning more masculine traits but learning it in a positive angle not turning it into something toxic and so because right exactly. it could have so easily been his like learning confidence turns into something like arrogance which unfortunately a lot of uh male characters tend to show regardless of media you know i'm not just talking about anime sometimes they portray male characters who are confident as basically very prideful and arrogant and it's not at all the same level of just like feeling like you know who you are and what you want to do. But Tanigaki really did learn just to embody that confidence of who he is rather than turning it into a toxic level. So I, I didn't even, I like completely forgot about that until you pointed it out. Mm. Also, Isabel, do you want to see a picture of him as like a circus girl? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's really cute. Please show that picture because I'm looking at this picture now. He has some intense sideburns over there, some intense eyebrows. Yeah, he's super intense. What kind of weapon does he wield? Does he wield a type of weapon? I feel like he he looks like a samurai type to me right now. Oh, he is good with the gun. He is good with the gun, though. Like, Oh, with the gun? He's, okay. he's, he's pretty decent with the gun. He's a better shot than Sugimoto, for sure. Mm -hmm. Sugimoto's notoriously known to be <laughs> Oh, no! The pink! He wears pink, too! He's wearing, like, pink and red! That he's totally, like, 
undermines like toxic masculinity. Here he is just repping colors. Okay, here, let me show you. Unfortunately, there isn't one with us like a full shot, but here's him in tights and a skirt for the circus. <laughs> He's on the right. Um <laughs> Oh my gosh, he's wearing white. Wow, with the skirt and everything. Uh huh. He's like building compared to these little girls. (laughs) Yeah, he is. I told you, he's really big. (laughs) Oh wait, here's the manga. Whoa, the manga one. His outfit's even more gorgeous. Dang it. Oh. Oh yeah, that's that's Noda's detail for you. Oh my gosh, I love. Like, okay, the the manga is even more beautiful. Like, look at this, Isabel. Wow, yeah, that actually looks pretty good, too. The dresses have more detail to them. Actually. I know, the I love really. the skirts! What the heck? They're beautiful. <laughs> it's probably because, like, the anime's trying to do, like, a more Taisho-esque skirt, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, although it looks like it's more, like, overlapping frills, versus the manga, it seems like it's more traditional of the area, because they're, they're further into Hokkaido and into, like, more Russian Slavic regions. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they have that sort that that style of dress in the blouse is a bit more different compared to the anime. But yes, Tanigaki can rep in a blouse and a skirt like no other man can. Yeah, no, he definitely can. Um, very, very impressive. So um, so that's your first guy. Um, you said your second one is probably a little less conventional. Like, what do you mean by that? And who who are you thinking so of? So it's, it's not, it's less of like, oh, I'm super emotional um, and that's okay to be positive masculinity. But I also feel like, when you're talking about nerds, mm-hmm. nerds aren't like associated with being positively masculine, because uh, you know masculine is all being big, uh, is all about like being big, being buff, being strong and stoic. Right. But nobody really talks about like the nerdier side or the more passionate side of men, um, and things that they want to do and their ambitions that they want, other than like you know getting revenge or like uh, or. Or like following your dreams or whatever, right? Right. Uh, and the one person that I want to point out is actually Ryder from Fate Zero. And everyone would unanimously agree. Like, oh yeah, Ryder from Fate Zero is the bro of Fate Zero. He is super accommodating, very friendly. He gets along with everybody. He has like that kind of laugh. Mm-hmm. And he is like a basically larger image of life. He's kind of like... Um, all might in that sense too. But the one thing I wanted to point out that's really interesting about Ryder is that when he manifests into the world of Fate Zero because he's summoned as a servant, he immediately is like, okay, how do I learn about the culture of your like your realm, of the era that you live in? And his master ends up exposing him to video games. He literally sits oh. there all day on his butt, plays Conquest video games, to understand like world history or whatever that's passed through the years and he's just like oh i see and he's like a huge nerd for word for history and to the point that he bought gaming merchandise for that company um there's some tidbits from other light novels that are associated with this where like because of him buying game merchandise and also being super passionate about these video games to learn the history it actually kind of like skyrocketed the interest in his master to continue playing those video games and also for the video game to survive as well into later eras which is actually really funny so i thought like oh that's kind of interesting because you know positive masculinity does not only mean that you're working out but you're also expressing something that you're very interested in that's not related to 
just pure revenge or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I would have never guessed that that character would embody that because I don't, I'm not into the Fate series, so I had to look it up. And the first thing that showed up was like him with his bulging, muscly arms. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah he's that- huge. <laughs> like, he- like, certainly he looks masculine, if nothing else. <laughs> but there's like, there's a proud clip because he's literally just the entire, it's really funny because the entire series is like all the characters are out and about scoping each other out trying to figure out like who they should kill first and Ryder's just here like sitting at home like a hikikimori <gasps> and just like playing video games and when the new t-shirt arrives from his gaming merchandise he's just oh. like how do I look waver and he's like flexing and like posing for him to look and he's like so proud of himself oh that is so cute <laughs> yeah and of course like his master's just like why don't you just like get out there and do something and he's just like but that's boring I want to play games <laughs> and that's what he does the whole time and then he asked, like, another thing that was really funny is because Fate Zero kind of takes place, like, the 1980s and 70s. He was watching a video clip of, I think, John F. Kennedy. Oh, no, not John F. Ke- uh, one of the Kennedys. And then it was re- uh, regarding, like, a, a stealth bomber plane or something. And he was like, what's that? And he was, like, so excited to, like, learn about all this new war history. So it was really interesting. That is so cute. I think... Yeah, you know, like it's almost like this is a reminder for myself to be like, hey, you know, people can look like all kinds of things and be interested in all kinds of things. Because if you showed me a picture of Ryder, I like guess, like, you know, hey, what do you think he's into and stuff? I would have never picked culture and history and video games like because it's like all those sound like a type a nerd sort of thing but type a nerds tend to get portrayed very skinny and you know just just not at all looking like him at all so excellent character design with excellent personality choices (laughs) oh yeah for sure i mean he already has a great personality with the way like he's very okay with like letting things go which i think is also a bit different from like usual masculinity where they're like very heavily fixated on certain aspects of people and that it just leads them to hate them or despise them. Mm-hmm. But Ryder's just very open. He's like, I guess we we don't agree on some things, but that's okay too. And that's he earned that's how he earns like the mutual respect from many other servants who are trying to like one up him in the series. Yeah, and I think it's weird. Like, it's kind of like an opposite to his character, where he's supposedly the embodiment of Alexander the Great. Yeah, (laughs) Alexander the Great would let everything pass, right? Yeah, Alexander the Great is merciless. He would like slaughter and kill. But like the fate rendition of Ryder is like a super positive light of how like a true leader or king could have been. And it's, like, somebody who's, like, really homebody, somebody who really appreciates his people, but also has a weird passion for video games, <laughs> out of all things. Mm-hmm. I like looking at screenshots now, and I see the one where he's, like, nerding out with a video game, and I'm just like, oh, he looks so cute and happy! <laughs> he's very happy in the series. Um, okay, well, now that you have gotten me on board with him, is he dead? <laughs> Uh, this is spoilers for people who di- are not watching Fate Zero, but yes, unfortunately, he does die in the end. Uh, but he had a very honorable death. His adversary, uh, he's a, his adversary is actually the, kind of like the definition of toxic masculinity. Isabel might know him. It's Gilgamesh, right? Oh yeah, Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh in the Fate series, at least in the original timeline, is like the definition of toxic masculinity. Very mm-hmm. cocky, arrogant, mm-hmm. very like 
like bowed down to me in Mongrel, and of course he's also very buff too. But in Fate Zero, when he finally delivers the final blow to Ryder, he's just like, I would have regarded you as a comrade. And he was like very oh. humble about it. So yeah, I'm just like, bro, oh. Ryder did wonders to change people. That hurts me. Is yeah, it, it it hurted me too. It hurts a lot of people. I uh, how dare you? That hurts me. How dare you get me into this character and then have to tell me that story? Like it's probably like one of the best written out scenes in the series. Where it's like it's so well done. It's so well written too. Uh, but yes, those are my two uh, men that exude positive masculinity. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. as I emotionally recover from finding out what, <laughs> wait a minute, I remember Waver. Oh, this is the yes. guy. That, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything uh, clicks. You watch the case files, right? That's why. Did you watch what? The case files, isn't it him? Oh, that's right. Did you watch case files? I did. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, that is uh, that is uh, Waver's original servant oh. who inspired him to do a lot of things. The reason why Waver's into video games is because of Ryder. Oh man. Okay. Uh, a lot of things just cleared <laughs> up for me in an instant. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So my turn now. Whew. All right. Yeah. That was emotional. So. <laughs> Yes, I do get attached that quickly. I'm a very emotional person. So uh, my first pick for positive masculinity is Tanaka from Haikyuu. I do want to preface saying that most of the Haikyuu boys are actually all good examples of positive masculinity. Um, They all embody lots of masculine parts that, you know, people associate with masculine masculine men, but... Um, but they all bring something else to the table that makes it positive. But I think Tanaka embodies it the best because he's so because he takes all the masculine stuff to a whole other degree that could have potentially become toxic, but it absolutely isn't. So, like for example, um, he loves girls. You know, like all he wants is oh, yeah. to get a girlfriend and stuff like that. <laughs> and so. Um, and like he, he he sees girls and he's just like yes girls you know sort of thing and so that's uh, that's point a that could have easily become toxic and then point b is he is very brawny he sort of uh automatically likes to pick fights when he sees other teams he's like oh you want to say something about my team you want to do something to my kohai like you know come at me bro like i will beat you up sort of thing and so that's point two that could have been that aggression could have very easily turned toxic as well but the most important thing is, despite having all these, he is ap- an absolute sweetheart. And his aggression comes from a form of protectiveness and love towards his team, towards his team, um, towards his coaches, towards, you know, his manager, especially his managers. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, also out of protection because he thinks that the other team you know, is scaring Hinata because Hinata gets scared very easily. So he immediately jumps up and is like, oh, you want to try? Are you like, you know, purposefully trying to hurt my younger sibling, like my younger teammate? Sibling. Like <laughs> sibling. I mean, in a way, it's 
like everyone kind of it's funny i always say it's ironic because hinata has an older brother but everyone sort of sees him as the baby of the team and they're like we must protect him anyway <laughs> um, but uh but uh but tanaka especially is very protective of hinata and it comes from an extraordinary place of love and loyalty rather than rather than just plain male aggression of having to be the alpha like sort of thing um and so that's like the first thing the second thing is his love for girls which is completely understandable he is a horny high school boy like of course he's, <laughs> uh, he's a straight horny high school boy he wants a girlfriend like that much is without question but he doesn't take that sort of yearning for a girlfriend to a toxic or unnecessary level he never crosses the line for any of the girls that he expresses interest in. And uh, and it's really funny because it's almost like he doesn't think he's worthy of them. So he's always a step behind them instead. But, uh, but the thing that reached me the most was in the third season where we find out his childhood crush, who is a stunner. She is absolutely gorgeous and extraordinarily tall and one of the best female volleyball uh, players coming out of Japan uh, uh, amongst uh, the younger age or their age range. And she reveals in the flashback that when she was getting teased by other classmates for being so tall that she towers, absolutely towers above the boys, and she her self-esteem is kind of low because of that fact because she'd rather blend in than stand out. We see little Tanaka just running over going, ora, 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 you know, like <laughs> getting ready to push these uh, push these uh, teasing boys away and like just skids over and like puts his hands on his hips and is just like, hey, you're really tall and that's awesome. You know, like be more confident in yourself. Like you're awesome. You're different and stuff like that. And that is just so respectful. Like that is that is beyond anything that I've seen in regards to um, any of the Haikyuu characters in how they not only really respect women, but also but also give them give them positive influence and make them want to become or make them believe that they can become better. And now Tonika is directly responsible for essentially one of the powerhouses of uh, of the female volleyball players that are coming out of Japan because him at a young age decided to stand up for her. And I don't think it was it could have been possible if he wasn't raised by his older sister, who is an absolute beast and an absolute uh, and an absolute queen, because it's like because he has because as much as he wants to have a girlfriend and would love to have a girlfriend, he uh, he at the bottom line just respects them for who they are and what their boundaries are. And and takes it to a funnier stance where he starts worshiping Kyoko Sama. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think so. That's my little spiel on why Tonika is just such a great example of positive masculinity. I don't know if you guys are caught up with the anime at all. I just know you guys know Tonika as a character. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely caught up. I think like the one other striking thing I would add to that is he's so incredibly humble. In his, like, 
in his image and self-worth on the team. It's not like he goes through this phase, like, I must be better than everybody else on his team. But he realizes, like, you know, I'm not extraordinary, like Hinata or like Kagayama. But one step at a time, I can constantly improve myself and be like a backbone for the team is what like really touched me. Is that it's not toxic masculinity of needing to compete or needing to outrank or outstrip somebody, but it's the fact that you're there to support somebody. Mm-hmm. And he never tries to bring other characters down because in his eyes they are more talented either. It's like, he's like, I know that these people are more talented than me, so I'm going to support them and keep up with them so I don't pull them down. Uh, and I remember that episode was there was another moment where he does an amazing score and he was just like, oh, I guess I am awesome after all. And I also think that's a good example of, hey, that that's confidence right here that that is funny and it makes it seem like it's arrogance, but it's not because he never tries to he never tries to over talk himself to be above anyone. It's just he's like, wow, I just did a great shot and I feel great about it sort of thing. It's like it's like a different fart cry from some of the other like high key antagonists that we've seen that embody sort of that mm. masculinity, but it's a little bit more toxic. I think like Kyotani is like a good example of like the reverse of Tanaka. Um, where it's like it's very aggressive and it's very like I need to outstrip somebody. Eventually, you know, he gets his character development, things like that. But I guess that would be like the good foil to Tanaka, who's really good about like just exuding positive masculinity. Mm-hmm, right. Yes. And Kyotani definitely had to go through that development because he did embody a lot of the toxicity part at the beginning, for sure. Yeah. He was like really non-cooperative with his teammates. Mm-hmm. He does not talk to them. He like growls and snaps at them. And he tries to hog a lot of the spotlight, too, versus Tanaka. Like Tanaka knows like how to work. Very cohesively with his team. Precisely, yeah. yeah. And like, what do you know? Like, all this positive positive masculinity, it goes places. You know, at the end of the manga, he gets the girl, you know? I know, I spoiled myself on that. <laughs> I did too, sadly. But it's good to know at the end. Um, oh, were you guys spoiled? I was spoiled. Oh, no! Uh, oh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, not now, me. before, not, though. Not I, like, me. just like Gracie, I read it totally. Oh, you read it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> No <laughs> I was going to like crawl up into a corner and be like, oh. what have I done? <laughs> um, what were you going to say, Isabel? I was just looking at Kyotani uh, and I think Tanika looked like that before, maybe like in his first he year did. or something. In that he flashback did. Or before yeah. he shaved his head because he was like, I'm going to respect my seniors and actually respect what they do and I'm going to fall I'm this you know freshman who doesn't really know anything and trying to throw my weight around but I should really listen I think that's like where his character change started and that's mm-hmm. how he dedicated himself to volleyball and his team I think mm-hmm. that's oh, a really good point yeah yeah like he he did have development in the background we just we just didn't see it because by the time we meet him he's already reached that point of right. like you know, I respect my seniors and I respect Kyoko-sama, you know, and, <laughs> um, and I pour my all into volleyball and I'm passionate about it sort of thing. But you're right. We did get a glimpse of before his character development, which was really interesting because I can't, it's hard to imagine a time when he didn't respect Daichi since everyone's terrified of Daichi, especially when he gets <laughs> angry. So. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, my first choice is Tonica. Uh, my second choice is, of course, Fruits Basket. So uh, I actually had three uh, three other ones I could choose from, but I'm ultimately going to go with Haru because Haru from Fruits Basket because Haru is edgy and hot. Like, you look at him and <laughs> he just seems like that goth male character that we all know who's super duper stoic and, you know, hiding a lot of trauma and angst and, like, dresses in a different way and stuff like that. Like, he, everything about his design is made is made for you to believe that. And he does have parts of that, for sure. He has, like, a black Haru side, which is when he gets very, very aggressive. And... And where he like picks fights and stuff like that. But what's very interesting is Haru in real life or when he's normal, aka his white Haru as they call it, is completely opposite of what he looks like. He's not stoic. He's just introverted and quiet. And he is also very eccentric. He makes very random uh, statements that don't have a lot of logic. Like, for example, his hair is naturally black and white because he is a black and white cow and or a bull, I guess, to be more exact, but a cow. (laughs) And and he and his classmates would say, like, he looks like a gangster. You know, like he looks like he's part of a gang yeah. because of his hair that he can't do anything about. And so he's like, he's like, I always get in trouble because I because of my hair. So I guess the most next logical step is to get piercings. And it's like, you know, like that doesn't it really doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but to him it does. And he's so eccentric in that regard, and he doesn't see anything wrong with the fact that he is a little different from other people. And then the other thing I really appreciate is that he really, really, he's really attached to certain people and he's not scared to show it. Like when he sees Yuki, he just goes, whoop, and like slides over and like grasp onto Yuki. Yuki's just like, hello, Haru, like sort of thing. And and he's just, he's just not scared to show affection to the people he loves and the people he cares about. And even in his Black Haru stage, there was one scene where he got pissed off at the student council president because the student council president was getting on Momiji for dressing in the more feminine clothing style, even though Momiji is clearly a guy. And his whole rant when he is in that aggressive stage was actually about how how the student council president needs to just shut up because, you know, just because Momiji likes to wear girly clothes doesn't make him any less of a guy. And how, you know, this character and that character, you know, wanting to wear different types of clothes or might be interested in different types of people doesn't make them any less of who they are. And he, like, did this pretty, pretty awesome rant about how, like, he just like, you just need to accept that, you know, what people look like and what people wear doesn't me- doesn't immediately tell you how they act and who they are sort of thing. And you should just accept that. And that coming from like his aggressive side is very telling because his aggressive side could have once again easily been like I'm the alpha sort of thing. But it's more like, no, just let people live how they live because they're not hurting anyone. So get out of the way sort of thing. So I just think Haru is Haru is just such an interesting character. And, you know, once again, I think a good example of positive masculinity and the fact that he's designed to look and look like a certain way. And you see him and you expect him to act like a certain way, but he's just not. He is just a humble, quiet sweetheart who is very affectionate towards the people that he likes and has very eccentric thoughts. Yeah, I really like Haru in Freeze Basket as well. He's very 
interesting character. At first, when I when I first saw him, I, I was like, I'm not sure about how this ox or cow will go, but he, he definitely goes both ways. But like you said, he's very, very caring towards the people um, that he really cares about, especially his family, but also everyone else extension. Mm-hmm. And he interacts really well with everyone. He tries to get along with everyone in his own way, right? He'll go out of his way. Like he, I feel like he's also very emo- like emotionally in tune with others, especially Yuki. Yes. Like he knows yes. when Yuki's down. He's like, I'm going to go visit Yuki because I know she's going to be <laughs> suffering. So let me bring him he the stuff. He has like senses. Mm-hmm. He has like the tingling like sixth sense or like the spider sense. He's like, ah, yes, another person who's emotionally down. Let me go comfort you. <laughs> Whether it's like Yuki or Rin. <laughs> one of the two. Oh my gosh, him and Rin is so cute. Like, especially when, um, like, one of the episodes where he just sweeps her up in his arms, I was just like, oh, so cute. So, <laughs> I love fatherly characters anyway, and he's very, like, Haru is gonna be such a dad when he's an adult. Like, I know that for a fact. He's gonna be, like, a cute dopey dad. Because he's, like, yeah. in the entire series, he's kind of, like, oblivious. He's kind of, like, oh, was that what they assigned for us for homework? And he, like, just <laughs> stares off in the distance. It, it it feels like it's one of those scenes, like, if he was a dad, he'd be like, oh, yes, I think I forgot my kid at school. Hold on, <gasps> let me go drive back. Oh, my God, he totally would! <laughs> <laughs> like, he's very dopey, but, like, he totally doesn't mean it, and he just loves them anyway, and <laughs> that would be so cute. He would. Oh no! Now, now, like, okay, it's 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 a head cannon in my head. Like, <laughs> I think that just fits his personality so much to be like, oh yeah, my kid's still at school. <laughs> so, um, I like having a flashback of that one episode scene where it it looks like an Instagram shot because he's underneath water. There's like a slight rainbow and his hair is wet and he looks really, really hot because of that. And then it's like, no, he's just standing there under the sprinkler for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> he just decided to stand there. So He's such a dork and I, it's just so wonderful to just watch him. Mm-hmm. But he's a dork and he still embodies all of these like masculine things about like, not even just with the way he's dressed, but you know, he loves karate like he's into martial arts and stuff like that and um and he will fight tooth and nail like physically beat you up if you try to do anything to hurt um any of his friends feelings and stuff like that and so and so but he outside of all of that he's still a dork and it's perfectly okay and he's perfectly cool about that too like he could once again his solution to the fact that everyone saying he getting him in trouble saying you know he's part of the gang and stuff like that is to I don't know, time to wear time to wear leather and get piercings and like lean into <laughs> it even more. And so I feel like Haru is like the every inspiration like a high schooler needs is like you can look edgy, you can look cool, but you don't have to abandon like your feelings or your emotions just for the sake of looking cool. Yes. Uh... That is such a good point because I because high schoolers are always going for that look. I feel like both girls and guys, you know. Oh, no, for sure. Like, I know so many guys and girls who go through like that emo phase or like that phase where they just want to be like super popular, but like outcasty, but they do it because they have low self-esteem issues. Mm -hmm. But you Mm -hmm. can basically embrace all your nerdy, passionate qualities and still look cool. I mean, that's what that's what makes people cool. Right. Is that they're all like it? Like you said before. Uh, like what Haru says is like what makes somebody cool and different is like the things that they do and what how they look like doesn't define that yeah definitely how he embraces it and how other people embraces it and how they're confident with who they are and they have that self-esteem 
it just makes them cooler and that's how it should be really yes preach (laughs) so i guess to close off uh our episode today i do want to ask did you guys have trouble finding anime characters that you thought embodied positive masculinity like like if you give it on a range of like one to ten with one being super duper easy and ten being hard like how hard did you have to search for these characters Mm, i definitely had to give some thought to it but it wasn't too hard to find i'm pretty sure i could find some more if i just pretty much looked through my shonen anime list Mm -hmm. so i'd rate about like uh maybe like a 7.5 on out of 10 Okay. To search for these types of characters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it was like a 9 out of 10 for me in terms of difficulty. Wow. Just because, like, every time you look up anime men on, like, Google Images or even just, like, on a Reddit form, you'll see things like Guts or you see things like Northern of the Fist Star or, like, Jojo, but mm-hmm. they're the epitome of, like, masculine but in terms of like embodying positive masculinity is hard to tell because a lot of them are very stoic. A lot of them don't embrace their emotional side. And sometimes for some of these characters, it actually is quite detrimental to them. Ooh, that's so, a good point. Yeah, a lot of these characters like fall short when it comes to either expressing their emotions or like being okay with the fact that they may be vulnerable. They're always too hyped up of being like very strong and powerful. Mm. I did read, however, though, there was a really good article by the Anime Feminist. Actually, no, not the Anime Feminist. It was a different blog article about how... No, it was Anime Feminist. What am I talking about? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. I, I will look back at my history to double check. But it was talking about how actually Dragon Ball Z is a definition of positive masculinity because... A lot of the antagonists are kind of like in Star Wars, where it's like they're really hyped up about being super powerful and, you know, embodying rage and vengeance. And that's like toxic masculinity, right? But a lot of the protagonists of uh, of, of Dragon Dragon. Ball Z, they're, they're embodying more of like kindness, understanding and like compassion and, you know, like working together with friends to overcome evil and things like that, which I was like... That's actually quite nice. Like, that's a really good example to use if I was somebody who was from... Ja- if I was someone who watched Dragon Ball Z. Mm. The thing is, I don't remember much of Dragon Ball Z anymore because I-, I watched it when I was far too young and when my English wasn't very good as well. So it's like a double whammy. But but I've never even thought about it like that. So that you, you might need to... You need to send us the article. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't think about it. I was like just doing my research. I was like, man, wh- who do I pick? I don't even know who to pick. And I just came across that article. I'm like, you know, this is actually quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people like fell in love with a lot of like these bigger than life shonen characters like uh, All Might or like the Dragon Ball Z characters is because they embody so many good, positive, masculine qualities. And I guess like the same goes for... um for girls who like Haru too, because Haru is like so warm and compassionate mm-hmm. and he's just very like, do whatever the hell you want. You're your own person. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's very uplifting for a lot of people to see these positive men on anime screen. Where in, in reality, a lot of anime men that's shown in se- other series are like very mute. They're not, um, they're not like very expressive. They're not really like willing 
to embrace and be open with like their friends or their comrades. They just have like that smug stoic smile in the corner or something like that. Yeah, or they're just like overpowered. I see that a lot too. They're just yeah, plainly stronger than everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent observation because I'm thinking even like even male characters who tend to be more emotional, it's like it's still uh it's still an emphasis on power and how much power they have like the passionate ones versus versus just, you know, feeling vulnerable and feeling something's not okay and wanting someone to help out sort of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's not a skill set, but it's what you can, like, I guess, unlock your potential inside of you, question mm-hmm. mark? That sounds really theoretical now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it works, though, the context of anime especially, so... <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us as we went through these excellent male anime characters that embodies the positive masculinity. And I hope you will join us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.